This is the Michelangelo Signorelli Show on Sirius XM. Welcome back. I'm Michelangelo Cedarelli on Sirius XMLQ 109. Now, as we've been uh, discussing, and as is really on the front page of every website, on the homepage of every news site, uh, last night, First Lady Michelle Obama was interrupted, heckled by a protester, a uh, lesbian activist, Ellen Sturtz, at a fundraiser for the Democratic National committee uh, in Washington, D.C., at which many uh, LGBT um, donors were there. It was an LGBT fundraiser. Ellen Sturtz herself has given uh, several thousand dollars to the Democrats, paid $500 to uh, get in. She began interrupting the First Lady uh, in her speech, talking about the fact that the President hadn't signed an executive order to ban discrimination among federal contractors for gays and transgender people, saying she wanted to see uh, equality uh, before she died. And the First Lady said, according to the uh, White House transcript and what you heard in the um, clip that I played, uh, one of the things I don't do well is this, and said, do you understand? Now, a pool reporter, who happened to be Amanda Turkle from Huffington Post, reported that she then left the lectern, moved over to the protester, and quoted her as saying, listen to me, or you can take the mic, but I'm leaving. You all decide you have one choice. Uh, that was not included in the official White House transcript. The audience responded by asking... Uh, her to stay, of course, um, very supportive of the First Lady and thankful that she was there. Uh, and that's when a woman nearby told Ellen Sturtz, you need to go. She was escorted out of the room. Uh, she said in an interview later that she was stunned by the First Lady's response. And, and here's how she worded it. She came right down to my face and I was taken aback and said that she told the First Lady she was happy to take the microphone to plead her case, which she said appeared to fluster the First Lady. Told the Washington Post, I said, I want your husband to sign the executive order. Her husband could sign the order tonight and protect 22% of the workforce in this country. So it obviously was a dramatic event that got a lot of attention and obviously, as I said earlier, angered a lot of people, uh, LGBT activists and many others. And I've seen a lot of debates on some of the gay uh, listservs, certainly uh, among activists, it's not been uniformly supported. It also has brought a lot of attention to the executive order on national public radio, on in the Washington Post, and the New York Times. They're talking about the executive order and the fact that the president has not signed it, which was the goal of Get Equal, the group that uh, organized the protest. Uh, joining me uh, to talk about that right now is Heather Kronk, who is the executive director of Get Equal. Uh, Heather, welcome back to the program. Hey, Mike. So good to be with you. So we invited Ellen Sturtz to come on the program and speak 
but she did not want to come on, at least initially, very reluctant because she's been uh, very, um, I, I guess, unnerved by some of the criticism. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for Ellen. You know, she's capable of speaking for herself. But um, I, I think that, you know, after the event last night, when we started seeing the response, and, and not, not so much the, the response that was, um, you know, going back and forth about the validity of the, of the strategy, the validity of the tactics, uh, you know, that's a conversation that I think, you know, is welcome and, and is good for the movement and is good for the community. When we started seeing the kinds of emails that we were getting um, and the kind of vitriol and, and the kind of violence that was being threatened, that's when we, we said, you know what, in order to maintain safety and, and in order to be responsible, you know, let's step back a little bit um, and, and just, you know, kind of take a little bit of a breather and a timeout. Um, we, you know, we've been really getting uh, a lot of uh, a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails with folks dissatisfied, which is fine. We, you know, we welcome that conversation. But when people start making threats and, and being violent and using the kind of imagery and using the kind of just uh, really violent language that we've started to see, um, you know, directed toward Ellen, uh, we, you know, we just kind of had to back away a little bit. Some people would say, well, she should have expected that there would be uh, a lot of people when you when you when you protest. There are always going to be people who are um, unhappy, who are angry about the protest. Uh, what I read was that she hadn't even planned really to do this. And you had other people from Get Equal in um, in the crowd. So I wanted to ask you about that as well. How many other people were there and, and what was her plan? Yeah, so there were four people inside the fundraiser, and really the plan was uh, was twofold. Um, the the first part of, of what we wanted to accomplish was to to directly address DNC officials, right? Those are folks who were there representing the party, representing Democrats. Um, we actually, you know, did want to confront them and ask questions about, you know, not only where is this, you know, federal contractor executive order, but you know, to what extent is anyone pushing on the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, which has also, you know, was just introduced in the House and the Senate and has been languishing in Congress for 39 years, meaning that we have no federal protections uh, against workplace discrimination for LGBT Americans. So that, so that was the first piece. And the second piece was to, to try to, to in, in a very peaceful, respectful way, engage in a conversation with the First Lady. And, and that was really geared toward, I, I know that there's been uh, you know, a little bit of controversy or, or maybe even a lot of controversy over whether the first lady is kind of, quote unquote, in play. Right. But what we know is that whenever the president has evolved on an LGBT issue, it's been because he's been in conversation with the first lady. And we thought that it was appropriate when the first lady, you know, came to a, a, an LGBT specific fundraiser in New York last week asking people to max out to the Democratic Party, which is tens of thousands of dollars, uh, and then came to another fundraiser in D.C. the following week and gave the exact same speech asking people to max out to the party. We really felt like if she was going to make that ask, then that's a political ask, and we want to make an ask in return. So we felt like if she was going to ask us, you know, to max out to the party, 
we really wanted to engage in a conversation about how she and how the president and how the party could max out for equality. And the federal contractor executive order is something that it simply requires the president's signature. It has a lot of legal and historical precedent. He promised it five years ago. It's sitting on his desk. It's waiting to be signed. Uh, we felt like if you're going to come and ask the community for support, we need to know that you're doing the, the very basic things that you can do that are in your power, that are in the president's power, in order to you know help us uh, you know keep jobs, get jobs, feed families, you know make sure that we have some safety. At, at, at and, and the president um, had said during the 2008 campaign he would sign this executive order. Last year, Valerie Jarrett had a meeting with activists. She said, we're not going to sign it at this time, but it's been over a year since then. So obviously there's a lot of frustration about it. What do you say to those who say, though, that when you stage a protest that creates such a backlash, uh, it, it backfires? It doesn't bring people to your cause who you want to have? Well, you know, I'll say two things. One is last year when we were pushing on the executive order, the treasurer of the Democratic National Committee, Andy Tobias, who, who is an openly gay man, uh, published an op-ed uh, in The Advocate saying, just wait a year. Why do, you need to put, why do you need to push on this right now? Just wait a year. Just wait for us to get through the election season and push on this, you know, next year. And, and we backed off. You know, we, we said, you know, look, we understand, you know, whatever. We, we were still pushing as much as we could, but, um, but, you know, the whole community was told, wait, wait, wait. But we felt like, you know what, it's been a year. We have been waiting. And in the meantime, people are losing their jobs every day. People are not being fired every day. It isn't actually fair when you're saying, you know, we can't wait to reelect the president or we can't wait to recapture the House for us not to not to also be able to say we can't wait. Mm -hmm. and so that, I, I think the second piece is actually something that L.Z. Granderson said on CNN today, um, who's a black gay man. I, th I thought that he actually said uh, said really well what I was feeling, uh, which was that We've seen the president make progress, not just on LGBT issues, but on a wide variety of progressive issues, immigration, environment, you know, labor, you name it, when he was pressured, when he felt like um, he was up against a wall and he really he had nowhere to go and he had no reasoning left not to do what was being asked for him, uh, asked of him. Um, that's when we've seen change. Mm -hmm. And I thought that LV said that really well, you know, that that's it, it, it's actually just a matter of pattern recognition. We've recognized the pattern that when you pressure the White House, they respond. Now, right. they may not respond on our timeline. They might, they might not you know, sign the executive order tomorrow, which is what I would love for them sure. to do. Uh, but we know that this means that the White House is talking about it, that the country is talking about it. And I think at, at root, that's a good conversation okay. to have. Uh, I want to bring in Anthea Butler, who is Associate Professor of Religious Studies and African Studies, Graduate Chair of the Department of Religious Studies at the University of Pennsylvania. Somebody uh, I follow on Twitter, she follows me. Uh, I certainly uh, engage in a great discussion with a lot of people on Twitter, and she is certainly uh, one of the people who uh, I certainly engage in discussion with. And we had a discussion uh, last night because she found this to be disrespectful and ultimately hurt the cause and is a supporter uh, of LGBT equality. Anthea, welcome to the program. Thank you. Talk a little bit about what you um, thought about this particular action and how you well, felt 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm very interested in the way that Heather started out in her comments about this, because I think that's at the crux and the root of the problem. She started off by saying, you know, they received violent emails, and there's just been all this violence against Ellen. And so the whole thing was just, you know, absolutely incredulous to me, because I don't, first of all, I'm like, if you're activists, you know that you have the possibility of getting thrown out of a place. I mean, African Americans all over Twitter, and a lot of whites as well, were very upset because this was just plain old disrespectful. I don't know who they talked to about doing this, but when you have a private event with uh, the president's wife, the first lady, who is not responsible for signing this, he is, and then you, you, you have someone to make these remarks and then to be you know absolutely shocked, shocked that the first lady would come up to her and ask her to speak and, you know, and then everybody else would want to yell at her and get her out of there. I mean, I... There's just so many levels on this. There's, there's a level between relationships between African-American and white women historically that are bad, <laughs> and unless we could talk about that. There's the issue of the constant disrespect that the president and the first lady always receive. There's the issue of um, the speech was not even about LGBT issues but about helping kids out, and that's what the address she was giving was at that particular time. The optics were just wrong, and I would say – to get equal that not only did you mess up, you put your own person in peril. And, you know, for this particular issue, which I would be supportive of, you don't have my support as that particular group anymore. You um, mentioned the optics and, and, and how it, it looked, and I think that's uh, very important. You also said, though, that it's the First Lady, it's a private event, she doesn't uh, engage in politics, but... She's fundraising. She obviously wouldn't be there if she wasn't powerful politically. She's exactly. being used the, to raise the, money. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we, we, you and I had this back-and-forth discussion, and I thought about this this morning. One of the things that, you know, what was interesting to me is that the whole – what they did last night was sort of predicated on the fact that, well, now she'll just go home and tell her husband to go sign the bill, and he'll do it. Which was kind of ridiculous. I mean, just, I mean, that's what this was tantamount to. I mean, in a private event where you're paying five hundred dollars, and I believe they had they had three or four people there. I mean, you probably could have passed her a note, or you might have <laughs> had a minute with her to talk to her. But now what they have is the are of, you know, a very big portion of the African American community, especially African American women, and I don't know how they get this back. I really don't. I mean, just it, as somebody who is an advocate for LGBT issues and teaches in women's studies and all this, there was so much wrong on so many levels about what they did. And so, as a as, even if I didn't wasn't a professor, I was a PR person. I tell them, you messed up. <laughs> you just messed up. And now they've got to figure out a way to get out of this mess. And what? if they didn't have success before, how in the hell do they think they're going to be successful now? Let me ask you this. Um, Every protest, um, most protests, um, get some person or group angry. Somebody feels disrespected. Uh, many protests are about, obviously, getting controversy. Um, and if the goal was to get attention to the issue, not necessarily to convince the public, but to put pressure on the White House, um, I guess they might say, it's a success. But but what I want to ask is this. You feel that it was disrespectful. And as I said, disrespect happens often at protests. But did it cross the line to offensive or even racially 
insensitive where it's it's unacceptable even if you piss off some group of people. Yeah, I, let me tell you the piece that, and I said this to you last night on on Twitter, and I'll say it again for your listeners. The piece that became was the disrespectful moment was to have Ellen say afterwards, "I just, you know, I was just surprised." you know, that she got in my face, as though that's not what she's supposed to do, that she did not have the right to do that. She did not have the right to confront a white woman who's yelling at her. And that was the moment that everybody lost it. It was bad enough that she got heckled. But the moment that Ellen says, oh, my gosh, I'm just taken aback. I mean, this is this old trope that if something happens to a white woman, she cries a black man or a black woman gets hung. There is a huge history of this in this nation. And for LGBT people who want to fight for this stuff, who are riding on the backs of the civil rights movement, you need to understand what the cues are, what ticks people off. And this is a moment where, you know, I, I, wanted, I really wanted to know, and I asked this last night, I asked on Twitter, you know, was there anybody black that they talked to about this before they did it? Well, because if they had, maybe they might have said something, oh, you know, maybe this is not a good idea. Maybe it's going to tick people off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heather, uh, how do you, Heather Cronk from Get Equal, how do you respond to uh, what Anthea Butler is saying? Yeah, no, I, Professor Butler, I, I'm really, I'm glad that you're able to, to participate in this conversation because I think it's really, I think it's really helpful. And, and I would by no means say this was the perfect action. This went off without a hitch, right? Like, we all know that, that it, it didn't go off without a hitch. Yeah, and, and actions often don't, right? So, you know, that, it's a constant learning process and, and, and a learning experience. What I would say is, yes, we plan this action with a wide variety of folks who we organize with from across the country who, you know, ha- come from all different kinds of backgrounds. Um, we, we were not expecting, and, and, and with all due respect, uh, you know, th- I'm saying this is a white woman, so take it for what it's worth. Um, you know, I, I think Ellen saying that she wasn't expecting for the first lady to come down and, and engage her directly was was less racially oriented and more uh, structurally oriented, right? Like we had we had planned for certain logistics of of the action. Um, we had not planned for that specific kind of engagement. And so, you know, did Ellen misspeak? Possibly. Uh, was it, you know, in, interpreted in ways that I'm sure she didn't intend, and, and I'm sure I wouldn't intend, yes. Um, but, you know, I, I would say uh, we all have a long way to go. Uh, and and can we can we make it up? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if you can at this point. I, I really hate to tell you, but you've this has really been upsetting to a lot of people. I mean, the problem is with this, you know, fundamentally, is that this is like the pinnacle of a very deep iceberg, you know, from all the attacks that they've received on the right and everything else. And so for this to happen, you know, sort of in a liberal context, right, Democratic Party, you know, LGBT issues, all this stuff with people who want to be involved and want to be helpful, and then this happens, I just believe that your action was wrong, that you put your own person in peril, and now she can't come out, you know, people are angry at her, and you should have expected that. And that's, a for, that's you know, not enough foresight on, on the part of your group. Anthea, do you... i the, the way it is. And, you, you know, you've got to be ready to receive all the stuff that goes along with it. Do you feel that the uh, White House um, really handled it the right way? With I mean, they sort of t- didn't seem to report everything in 
the uh, transcript that happened? Or do you think that they're happy with how the First Lady responded? Are, are you happy with how the First Lady responded? Am I? I'm personally happy with the way she responded because I get come at every day, and I'm a Ph.D., I'm a professor at Ivy League school, and people talk to me as though they feel like, you know, I'm the help or something, and I have to remind them that I am not the help. And so I think they handled it in the right way. I think that, you know, first ladies have causes. And, you know, there have been, you know, I asked you last night if other people have been heckled. And, you know, we found there was somebody sent me one about Laura Bush being heckled back in 2004. And, you know, this happens sometimes. But I also think that, you know, these are wives of the, you know, of the president. You know, a little. So, do you think it was wrong for Laura Bush to be heckled? It was Code Pink, I I think, about the war. They were heckling about the war. Yeah, she was campaigning. I think that, and fundamentally, in some ways, that's bad too. But I don't. What I what I don't think is that. What I think. Let me put it this way: activists who want to heckle the president, yeah, because he's the guy that's signing stuff. But you want to go heckle the family, and hope that that's going to move him to sign something. That's irresponsible, it's stupid, and it's illogical. I asked you about that last night, too. Were people angry when the Code Pink activist a couple of weeks ago heckled the president, obviously a white woman heckling the president, uh, about Guantanamo and the closing you know, of Guantanamo? I think, I think people were angry about it. There were certainly people angry about it. But I didn't even post up about that on Twitter because I've got feelings about Guantanamo myself that are similar. I mean, I think it ought to be closed. But, you know, at the, same, at the same time, people do have the right to complain about things. I think this one crossed the line because it was a private fundraising event. It was not the person who could sign anything related to this. And it's his wife. It was just, it was just ill-advised. I don't know who's advising them over there. But, I mean, I get equal, but I just like, this, is, this should really make them stop and think about why they have failed in the past and why this has failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heather, how do you respond to that? That basically it was a, a failure and um, there's not, I, I, I think Anthony's saying there's not much you can really do to fix this. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say a couple of things. One is, uh, you know, we certainly weren't trying to address the First Lady in order for her to run back to her husband and tell him to do something, right? Um, it, we were addressing the First Lady uh, because she was at a political event, because she was fundraising for the party, because she is a political figure, because she is a significant political figure. She carries a lot of political weight, potentially more than the president. So, you know, she's actually, uh, you know, uh, I, I think as far as someone who is looked to as the conscience of the White House, I think it, it, it's an apt target. She was an apt target. Um, as, as far as, uh, you know, whether I feel like it was successful or not, um, you know, I, I would point to, there's certainly going to be, you know, this this, this conversation is certainly going to continue, and, and I hope that it does. I think it's helpful. I think it's instructive. I also think that I have never woken up one morning and seen every mainstream news channel talking about workplace discrimination. Um, and, and, you know, for me, I feel like if we're able to move the conversation forward, if we're able to educate the public, if we're able to talk about the lives of LGBT families more than simply marriage, which is where the conversation has really stymied, if we're not able to talk about our families and economic issues, that's a failure of the movement. So, 
insofar as this was able to move that conversation forward, open up, you know, uh, opportunities for dialogue like this one and like many more that I'm sure will unfold, um, I hope that we're able, as a community and as a movement, uh, both the LGBT movement and the progressive movement, to take advantage of the opportunity and to make sure that we are talking about you know, our lives, our families, our workplaces, uh, and, and our economic... Well, well and that certainly is a statement on our media, too, and what gets the media to report on something. Anthea, do you have some closing thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, on I this do. Discussion? I mean, I think the issue of workplace discrimination is very important for LGBT the people. I, I really do. I happen to think, however, that this action was ill-advised. But I, I want to go back to history again. I mean, you know, during the Civil Rights Movement, people sort of practiced, you know, when they were going to get abused at the lunch counters and things like this, and this was a group movement. What was done yesterday was a very small thing, you know, with three or four people there, one person yelling out, and it was just it just looked uncoordinated. And when you look uncoordinated and it's disjunctive, and you're not prepared to make statements that are in line with what you know people are going to say, then I would say to you that you need to think about valuing the movement that you claim to fight for more and put people out there who are appropriately ready to take the fire. Well, and, and on that note, you had talked about the optics. Would would it have made a difference to you if it was an African-American lesbian who had challenged the African-American you know, person? No, I don't think so. I think everybody would have still been upset, but I also think that, it, that perhaps an African-American lesbian woman would have been more aware of the history of abuse, the history of discrimination against African-American women, and might have suggested to this group something different to do. I mean, I appreciate what Heather and them are trying to do, but unfortunately I wouldn't give them a plug nickel right now. Well, I want to thank you uh, for coming on the program. Uh, You're welcome. Great discussion, and, and Heather, a uh, really great discussion as well. Thanks a lot, and we've got to continue a lot of this uh, discussion too. Uh, both of you, thank you. Anthea, Diz Anthea I'm sorry, Butler, who is Associate Professor of Religious uh, Studies and African Studies and Graduate Chair of Department of Religious Studies at the University of Pennsylvania, and Heather Kronk, who is the Executive Director of Get Equal, what do you all think? We're going to come back and have more discussion in a couple of minutes. Michelangelo Signorelli, Series XM, OutQ.